0: Good morning, everyone. All right, we, we are going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Please take out your Bibles and turn to that. And if you do not have a Bible, please raise your hands. Our ushers will hand you one. Let me pray before we start. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Father, for the opportunity and the privilege to be able to come together and to study your word, this is a privilege that we often take for granted. But help us, Lord, to value and treasure this. We pray for that you open our hearts and our ears to be sensitive to your teaching. We pray, Father, for our brother Enrique this morning that you would help him and you would give him your words. And we pray for um, also your your message to be rooted in our hearts, that we would uh, learn and apply in our lives. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, these are the words of Paul to the church in Corinth. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made this light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This is the word of God.
1: Darkness, chaos, disorder. Don't be deceived, church. We live in a world that is consumed by darkness. We've all felt it. We've all suffered. We've all been lost in this darkness. Maybe you're ill. Maybe you're in pain. Maybe you've lost someone you love. You see the death and destruction in the Middle East. You see the starvation in Africa. You see the persecution of Christians in North Korea. The death, the destruction, the horror. It's inescapable. But there is light. Now, kids in the room, anyone else who has a candle, I want you to turn it on and hold it up high. Please bring some light into this room. Through the darkness, you can still find light. You can find answers to all of this pain and suffering. You can find some rays of hope in the darkness of our world. You just need to know where to look. Church, my name is Enrique and I have the great privilege of bringing you our first message in this year's Christmas series named Rays of Hope. Even though our world is shrouded in darkness, our hearts still long for something bright and warm and joyful. Christmas is one of the most joyous times of the year. There's so much to love. You've got fun music, got games, presents, gingerbread houses, feasts. Christmas gives you so many warm and fuzzy feelings that you might just forget about all that darkness in the world. But when the holiday spirit fades away, as it does every year, what are we left with? A huge mess in the kitchen, a tighter waistline, And the realization that nothing has changed. The world is just as messed up today as it was the day before. Church, we need something more than the warm and fuzzies of Christmas. If we're to make sense of the darkness in our world, we need a light that will shine brightly. A light that will shine in our hearts and keep us going every single day. We need a light that will never go out. And for that, let me point you in the direction of our great, wondrous, almighty God. God shines his light. Now, I promise we'll get to the passage we just read in 2 Corinthians, but first I want to make a quick detour. We see God shine his light right at the beginning of the Bible. Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis 1 with me. It's right at the beginning as I read the first few verses. And everyone, again, when God says, Let there be light, wave your candles around, bring the light into the room. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. the first day here we see that god's very first command is to bring light into the darkness the earth was made up of empty nothingness there was nothing but disordered chaos so god filled it with his very own glorious light he separated light from darkness day From night, where there was chaos, God brought order. And he called this order good. God then went on to create the oceans and the sky and the land, the vegetation, animals, and eventually people. Everything was good. Very good, in fact. The earth was full of God's glorious light. So, he rested on the seventh day to enjoy his creation. Now, I'm aware that this creation account is not widely believed in the year 2023. Skeptics have a much more materialistic view of how the world came to be. There was nothing, and suddenly, for no apparent reason, there was a big bang. That started this flow-on effect of random events that eventually somehow led to the evolution of humans from apes. I once believed this to be true. But now, I cannot deny the fact that our world is ordered just the way that God says it is. I look at the intricate design of the human eye. I look at the mountains of information, the coded language that we see in DNA. And I know that we are not here because of some cosmic accident. God created everything in the universe carefully, purposefully, and with design. Everything, including you, And me but it didn't take long for God's perfectly ordered creation to go a bit pear-shaped in chapter 3 of Genesis we read of the fall of humanity because God loved them so much he gave humans free will they had the free choice to love and follow God or love themselves and follow their own desires. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and eat the forbidden fruit. With that original sin, the earth was plunged back into darkness yet again. Ever since, the earth and its inhabitants have suffered the consequences of sin. Sickness, pain, Earthquakes, floods, famines, death. It's inescapable. We all know it. We've all experienced the darkness. Church, I want you to imagine that you're exploring a dark cave. You're all by yourself, just minding your business, when you hear a rumble. You feel the ground beneath you shake and the thunderous sound of rocks crashing down behind you. You're blocked in. It's completely dark. You have no map. You have no torch. You put your hand up in front of your eyes, and you cannot even see it. You wander around aimlessly in that cave, yet you find no exit. I want you to imagine how you'd feel. Feel lost, terrified, alone, hopeless. But just as you're about to give up, you hear the chirp of a bird. You follow that bird. Your heart rate picks up, you get excited, you start to run. And what do you see? Light, bright, dazzling glorious light. You've found the exit. Your terror turns to joy. Your despair turns to hope. You have found a hope for salvation, a hope of new life. Church, that is exactly what God did over 2,000 years ago. Just when it seemed that all hope was lost, just as it seemed when, just when it seemed that the darkness of sin and pain had overcome the world, God shined his light at the very first Christmas. Jesus, the promised king, was born in Bethlehem. Jesus, the one who offers forgiveness, the one who gives us new hearts. He is the light of God. Shining brightly into our dark, broken world. Jesus is the ray of hope that we desperately need. The Bible talks about Jesus this way In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. What does that mean for us? Well, let me tell you, church, God's light does not just shine on the earth. His light shines in our hearts. I promised we'd return to 2 Corinthians, and I'm making good on that now, so please open your Bibles back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, as your servants for Jesus' sake. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The Apostle Paul writes here that the God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He's shrouded them in darkness. But what can't they see? It doesn't say that Satan has blinded them from the knowledge of Christ. Unbelievers may certainly have knowledge. Take me for example. Before I came to faith, I knew all of the facts. I knew that Jesus was born of a virgin. I knew that he performed miracles and was a great, wise teacher. I even knew that Jesus died on a cross and rose again three days later. Well, what did it mean to me? Nothing. Jesus was just some guy who lived 2,000 years ago, completely irrelevant to me. Satan had not blinded me from the knowledge of the gospel, or the facts of Jesus. Satan had blinded me from seeing Christ's glory, his beauty. Jesus wasn't special to me, so I kept on living in sin and darkness. I was blinded, and I didn't even know it. I've experienced another similar thing. Growing up, I never understood why my friends at school enjoyed stargazing. They'd tell me stories of going out to the outback, camping with their family and looking up to the sky and just looking at the constellations for hours. I didn't get it. I thought they were crazy. When I tried that, this is what I saw. No Big Dipper, no Southern Cross, nothing. But. A few years ago, I walked out of Specsavers with a pair of these. (laughs) Turns out I was short sighted all along. So when I put the glasses on and I stepped outside and I looked up, I was gobsmacked with what I saw. I was blinded from seeing the beauty of the cosmos. Just like I was blinded from seeing the beauty. And the glory of Christ. This is what Satan does, church, to all of us before we see the glory of Christ. Before we come to true faith. But guess what? Satan may be great at blinding us in darkness, but our God is greater. He shines his light again, this time straight into our hearts. Let's read verse 6 again. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God is the one who helps us see Jesus clearly. All those years ago, God showed me Christ's glory through the words in the Bible. When I read the Gospel of Mark, it was like my glasses had been put on for the first time. And I could see who Jesus truly was. He is the beautiful saviour. Who lowered himself from heaven to die for a sinner like me. When God shone his light in my heart, Jesus stopped being just a wise teacher. He became my hope, my treasure, my beloved King. When you see just how good Jesus is, you can't help but love him. You want to know him. You want to hear from him in his word. You want to speak to him through prayer. You want to serve him in your life. You want to give up everything for Jesus. When God shines his light in your heart and you finally see Jesus for who he really is, everything changes. This brings me to my final point today, church. His light gives Christians a unique hope. If we keep reading in 2 Corinthians 4, we can see how Paul describes his Christian experience. He says that he's been hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. But Paul, always the optimist, says that despite his sufferings, he and his fellow Christians have not been crushed. He's not in despair. He has not been abandoned or destroyed. In verse 16, he even says that we do not lose heart. Let's keep reading from that verse. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Paul suffered a lot. He was whipped, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, and imprisoned for preaching the gospel. Yet, he did not lose heart. Even though his body was physically wasting away, he knew that his spirit was being renewed day by day. Paul calls his sufferings light and momentary why because he knows that no amount of pain and suffering in this world can compare to the eternal glory that is waiting for him in heaven i'd now like to invite pastor matt up to the stage with me On very short notice, Pastor Matt has very graciously agreed to help me out with an illustration today. Matt is going to be our scales, our weighing scales. Now these scales, they actually represent the good and the bad in life. Every time I place something on the scales, he'll be weighed down. It might start off easy, you know, not too bad. Let's say I stub my toe. Let's say I lose my wallet. It could be it could be a lot more terrible, you know. Maybe I break my leg. I lose my job. Maybe I lose someone I love. Church these sufferings, they hurt. They really hurt. They can break us if we let them. Before I was a Christian, I tried to deal with these troubles in my own way. I set my hope on money, success, and status. They never shifted the scales. It was because when I realized that when it was time for me to die, no amount of money, no amount of success would ever make the pain and suffering in this world make sense. I was left with nothing. I was completely hopeless, lost, and alone in the darkness. But God is good. He shone his light In my heart. (laughs) He removed the blinds over my eyes. I could see Jesus for who he truly is. He is my Savior who promises to renew my spirit every day. He is my Savior who promises me everlasting life after death. Now I have something. I can look forward to. Something that can never be taken away from me. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now when I face the darkness in this world, I don't lose heart. Because now... I have true hope in Jesus, a ray of hope who helped me make sense of the darkness. Thank you, Matt. Let's give him a big hand. (laughs) For those of you in this room who don't yet call Jesus Lord, first let me say I am so glad that you are here. The fact that you're here in this room and listening to me speak is a sign that God is already working in your hearts. I want you to examine those hearts right now. Do you feel like you're wandering around in the darkness? Do you look at the pain and suffering in this world and just wonder, what is the point? Like me, have you tried to outweigh your troubles in life, with money, success, relationships. And how's that going for you? Let me show you a better option. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look to him for your hope, a hope that can never be taken away. This is the unique hope that Christians have, and I desperately want you to have that too. For those in this room who already have that hope, please don't forget it. We can be so forgetful sometimes, can't we? When suffering comes in your life, and believe me, it will, remember Paul's words and do not lose heart. Christ has given us an eternal hope. Let that comfort you. Fix your eyes on him. This is not just for Christmas. This message, this hope, is for every day of every year of our lives. Every day will bring its own challenges, but if you fix your eyes on Jesus, your spirit will be renewed day by day. And you will have the strength to keep moving forward. Remember, church, Jesus is the light of God that shines brightly and overcomes the darkness in our world. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for being our glorious God Thank you for not leaving us alone in this darkness. Thank you for sending your son to light up our world. Thank you that through Jesus, we have forgiveness and the hope of eternal life. Strengthen us, empower us, renew our spirits every day. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus this Christmas. Let him Be our ray of hope. Amen. Church, we now have a time.